Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, folks. It is a wonderful Monday morning. You know, every time I wake up on a Monday, there's so many times when in my past, you know, I mean, different different career moves, different as a teenager. I mean, gosh, I hated Mondays, man. I didn't want to go to school. You know, I didn't want to do any of that. I, I probably partied too long in the in the first place. But I just, I get passionate now that I'm an adult because I know I'm going to be on this radio show. I mean, seriously, I know Monday mornings we're going to have folks tuning in from across the world. You, you guys, I mean, it, it's truly a blessing. But every week it's something new. Every week we study something new. And today in the Little Red Book of Wisdom by Mark DeMoss, we're in Chapter 11. And other thing, another thing a few more thoughts. Very simple title. But listen to what Walt Disney said that Mark put in here. He said, "Do what you do so well that do the <laughs> do what you do so well that they will want to see it again and bring their friends." Now, this is Walt Disney speaking. I I have a soft spot for Walt Disney. He worked at a newspaper in Kansas City where I grew up when he was getting started. Because he didn't take no for an answer. He knew he wanted to put a theme park together for children, something that families could be excited about. I don't think he even realized the magnitude in which the brand would grow. But there's a little story. Mark, don't put it in here, but let me share with you how Walt Disney worked with collaboration. And his, and his brother shared this story many years ago, but he, he said when they were in California and they were building out the theme park, they had everything accomplished except the parking lot. And and I'm probably going to get the story a little mixed up, but I think you'll see where I'm going with this, because it fits into this chapter. But as they were working through everything, finally some of the attorneys came up and said, hey, we got one issue here. We got a parcel of land that we need to purchase that we don't own. And without it, we're not going to have a parking lot, guys. We're screwed. Walt Disney thought about that for a while and got in the car and drove over to see the the farmer that owned the land. And they discussed it, and the farmer said, I'm not selling. This is my family's legacy. They aren't making any new land, Mr. Disney. I I can't give this up in the the name of progress, or I can't give this up on your dream and, and know that my family may never, ever be able to to live the life that that I want to give them with with being, you know, landowners. Walt Disney had to sit there and think a while, and he said, I understand where you're coming from. We all have dreams, and took off. A couple days later, he shows back up at the farmers. He goes, I got an idea, and I want to see if you will, if you like it, if you think it's something that you, you, you can live with with your family. And they decided to lease that land for a certain amount of time, plus give that farmer a percentage of all the people that parked on his land. Every car that went through the gate, he would get a percentage of the parking. Now think about this. We talk about collaboration. We talk about being forward-thinking. We talk about wanting to work well with each other. I just found that refreshing in today's world where 
eminent domain takes people's property away and all that. Here was a businessman that understood the value of relationships, understood the value of public relations, if you will. Mark starts chapter 11 off this way. He says, wisdom is rarely on tap. Most often it comes by the eyedropper or thimbleful in an aside or a remark just as easily missed. So much is profound in that statement. I, I don't know how many little nuggets of wisdom I've picked up over the years that that just come from listening. Now I want to I want to stop for a second, and and I want I want to uh, this this has nothing to do with this chapter, but today is February twenty sixth. It's nine twenty or nine oh three a.m. and up in in. It looks like Michigan or Ohio, there's been a shooting at a high school where a young man just, while the kids were hanging out in the cafeteria, opened up and shot him. Now, I don't know if anyone's been killed in this incident, but I know as a father what I would be feeling right now if I'm those parents not knowing if their kids are okay or not. So let's let's just give a, a prayer. We're not going to pray right here, but I want you guys to, to lift up a prayer for these folks and also... You know, be, be thinking about their parents throughout the day. I mean, the, the parents of these kids. Give, it's going to be tremendous for them, so let's keep those in our mind. And make sure you let your kids know that you love them, because we never know when we send our kids out if we're going to see them again. We never know when we go out. So it's best to, to really put some love forth when people leave the house. Now, uh, with that being said, let's go back to this. Nuggets can be missed because they come in eyedroppers and thimbles. Now, I don't know, some of you kids may not know what an eyedropper is or a thimbleful, but I'm telling you, it's a very small amount. And there's some things in this chapter here that Mark hits on good. Listen to this. Good customer service costs almost nothing. That right there is words of good customer service costs almost nothing. My middle boy, JT, has probably got the heart of a servant more than more than anything. I've watched him working on the floor. Now, I've watched him in several different positions in his lifetime. But he works at Walmart right now. He's on the maintenance crew. And you would never know, unless you see him with a broom, that he's on the maintenance crew. Because as he scours the store looking for any situation that could cause a customer to be discomfort, he's also talking to them and asking them how he can serve them. He's looking at their eyes and their body movement asking if he can serve them. That's one of the reasons he's up for a promotion to, to go into electronics, which he just loves with passion. See, the position isn't what makes the, the man or woman. It's the attitude. It's the, it's the personality that you say, I want more than where I'm at. I want to treat people the way I want to be treated. We call it the golden rule, and JT is so good at that. Mark shares a story that I thought was profound. He says, Late at night in our room at a Ritz-Carlton, my wife and I laid staring into the dark as a construction crew working on renovation hammered and drilled through the night. I was just in a Marriott that way, fully can, can appreciate where Mark's coming from. I understand, just like Mark does, that the best time to do construction is at night when people aren't roaming the halls, except people are trying to go to sleep. Well, the next morning, Mark mentions this to them to the checkout uh, attended as they're walking out the door, and the attendant apologized profusely. Now, that's something that hotels always do. I, I've never been at a hotel where I don't get an apology for something. But then, with no prompt from the supervisor or a higher-up, she gave another complimentary night at the Ritz. 
something most hotels don't do. No excuses, no nothing. Mr. DeMoss, I'd like to give you another room on us next time you're here. That's pretty powerful. I was up with Orrin Woodward and and, uh, and his crew in Columbus last month and was staying at a, at a very, very prestigious hotel. It's part of the Sheraton chain. And I was standing at the counter. Now, understand, we're talking about a, a multi-million dollar hotel chain, a multi-million dollar hotel. Tens of thousands of people from Orrin's organization is there. And as I'm just lounging, waiting for my host to pick me up the second day I'm there. The assistant manager comes out, sees me standing there. Now, they had checked me in the night before. Hundreds of people had passed through them since then. Looks me in the eye and says, Mr. Dooley, how is your stay with us? Now, that's customer service. It wasn't that he knew my name. That was awesome, too. But it's the fact that not prompted he's asking me these things. See, this is what sets apart good customer service. Now, at the same time, Mark shares another story. He shares how he wanted to go buy 10 brand-new laptops for his employees, so he goes to a, a computer store, knows that he's on a mission. He actually knows which, which model that he wants to look at based on some reviews that he's seen, but he wants to touch it. He wants to feel it. He wants to see if it's going to work. Typical stuff, if, if, if you realize that. And he asked the store clerk, Hey, can you unlock the computer here for a second? I want to pick it up, feel it. I want to make sure this is the the the, the right weight for what we're going to need. And the salesman didn't even it just said nope. He said, "Excuse me." He said, "I'm sorry, the computer remains locked." I said, "Okay, but you can stand right beside me here. I'm I'm not going to do anything. I just want no, sir. The anti-lock bar stays down." Now, Mark is a very professional. He says, "Look." I want to buy 10 of these for my employees, but I'm not going to spend that kind of money unless I hold the computer myself. Mark writes, fixing his eyes at a spot somewhere past my head, the young man said he had no key to the restraining bar. Now, just looking past him automatically is, if you know anything about body language and, and things like that, he's lying. He repeats that the store policy requires all computers to remain locked in the display. Mark, being reasonable, understands that this is an employee. He says, okay, let's talk to the manager. He can't open it either. Doesn't get the manager. Doesn't, doesn't do what Mark's asking here. So Mark says, let me get this straight. I came in here to buy 10 laptops, but you won't allow me to even hold a single display model. That is correct, he said. Not now sounding like the store security guard. Speechless, I turned to the front door. Then I, I revolved back. I said, you know what amazes me, I said, is you don't seem to want to sell me 10 computers. Now listen to what Mark writes here, because this is the profound statement coming from this today. In my view, the gap between a five-star hotel and one computer stu- superstore was not the amenities, the prices, or the inventory. The gap was the stingingness of spirit, a bad attitude, a mindset. You can say that the hotel pays better than the computer store, but an employee mindset turns turns on more than a paycheck. In one case, the clerk's human concern turned disaster in an endorsement. 
In the second case, the lack of concern and a funnel lack of understanding customer service soured a sure sale into negative word of mouth. Not only was it negative word of mouth, thank goodness Mark didn't put the store name in his book, but it's the principle behind it. This is one thing that I love about going into a Best Buy store. I'll tell you this right now. You can pick up their computers, turn them around, throw them down on the floor if you wanted to. They're all unlocked. You can look at them. Walmart, on the other hand, is just the opposite. So what do we get from this today? Well, here's what I want us to look at. There's four powerful phrases. If you're in the people business, and Mark's writing about these, I don't care if the people business is a preacher, a Sunday school teacher, a school counselor, network marketing, owning your own business, working at a convenience store, working maintenance on a floor. Matter of fact, I wouldn't even care if you were, were an escort working on the Vegas Strip in this case. See, and I'm not talking about an illegal escort. I'm talking about the escorts that got to deal with people coming and going constantly, those that have failed, those that have lost their money, those that are just coming into town. This, it, it, every bit of this matters because these four phrases right here can change everything for you. Now, before we get into those, let me share something that Mark writes here because I've used this for years. He says, I teach my kids that words have power. Stupid and shut up, for instance, closes doors, period. For the most part, we got rid of stupid a long time ago and say stop being unresourceful because that makes people think. And besides, nine out of ten times people aren't stupid. They just do stupid things. Shut up, it's just it's really not professional. It's not cordial. There's no manners in it. Are there times when that word works? Absolutely. But it's few and far between, and it's when you want to shut a door that you would use that. However, please and thank you opens them. I was at Harbor Docks this morning, and Brianna waited on me. Sweet gal, but you could tell she's not worked the morning shift very much. She didn't bring me out my muffins that I'm used to getting. She wasn't keeping my coffee quite as full as she needed to right at the beginning. But she was very, very cordial. Instead of writing a bad review, instead of getting mad, I politely said, Miss Brianna, don't even ask me if I want coffee. You just keep my coffee cup full, and, and after I pay my bill, then ask me if I want more coffee just to be on the safe side. She goes, okay, no problem. She saw that I drank half my water, said, Troy, I noticed that you don't drink as much water as coffee. Would you like a refill? I said, no. I said, Miss Brianna, this was a wonderful breakfast, but I missed my muffins. I didn't get my muffins. Oh, my gosh, she was so apologetic. Brought me my muffins. Miss Kitty, who's the manager, came in today, asked me several questions, wanted to know how I, I could fish. She said, Troy, you know that we're new to breakfast. We, the, the other crew, and it was another owner that owned it. She goes, is there anything that you can share? I said, sure, and we chatted a little bit. And as I left and I paid my bill, on my receipt, because I believe thank you is so important. I wrote, thank you for the great service, Miss Brianna, and I signed it. Now, part of this is because it will it will make her day. There's no doubt about that. Anytime you can make a person's day, I'm in. But more than that, it shows Miss Kitty and the management of Harbor Docks that Miss Brianna did a good job and that there's a customer that's happy with it. Then I turned around and blogged about it on Facebook. See, thank you is something that can open so many doors. You can have the nastiest, stinkingest, worst day under the sun. 
And when somebody says thank you or please, it's amazing what can happen. See, the, the, there's other phrases, there's other things that could be said, but those are the big ones. Now, here's the four main phrases. I want you to write this down. If you want to change the world, and listen, don't listen to my radio show and use this stuff to manipulate people. There's nothing worse than a manipulator. Matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be doing an op-ed later on a manipulator. I'm not going to give the name, but it frustrates me because I hate manipulation. This comes from the heart. And if you can't do this from the heart, get out of the business. Okay, go, go work a third shift job somewhere where you don't have to deal with people maybe. But here's the first one. The first phrase I want you to write down is in my opinion. Mark writes, my field in public relations and my role is to dispense counsel, but the advice I give often comes down to opinion, and I tell my clients that. I do the same thing. When I'm doing a news report, when I'm critiquing a company, when I'm talking to a business owner, I have no problem. I let them know, you've hired me or else I'm doing a news piece to help people. So I'm going to let them know, in my opinion. When a, when a, consult, when a, when a client comes to me for consulting, I let them know right off the top, the odds are I'm going to step on your toes. Because you're hiring me for my opinion. You're hiring me to show you what can, needs to be changed to make your message congruent. When you use the words, in my opinion, several things happen. It shows strength. It doesn't show a weakness. People that are opinionated are not weak. Now, can they be egotistical? Can they be cocky instead of confident? Absolutely, but that's in delivery. And that can be worked on. Mark writes this. The saying, in my opinion, show weakness. On the contrary, in my opinion, those three words signal strength. It signals strength for what I'm about to say. And it lets you know that I take full responsibility for my words. This show of confidence and listeners take their cue from the signals we send. This week I will be in Vegas at the Association of Network Marketing Professionals Annual Convention. Several times my opinions will conflict with other opinions being shared from speakers, hosts, and even board members on that stage. But they will all know where I'm coming from, and they understand that I respect their opinions, and I'm always open-minded, which we'll get to in just a second. Because, see, the next powerful phrase is, what do you think? Just because you say, in my opinion, does not mean that you're closed-minded. Well, my my pappy sometimes was pretty closed-minded growing up. And at the time, I didn't realize. I said, gosh, Dad, why why can't you see it my way? And we'd get into it. But you know, at the end of the day, I, I finally realized why my dad would say, in my opinion. Or he'd say, boy... Or, or the best that he used to say, he he called me truck, and he called me truck because I was, I mean, I was, I bullhorn. We're gonna bull right through it. You, you, I put it in first gear, downshift it, and here we go. Nothing's gonna stop us. That's probably why I got in more trouble and busted more things and tore more things apart. But I, those are the little things growing up. Now that I'm 48, that I look back and think I love my dad. But he'd always tell me, in my opinion, because he had already lived it. 
So if you're if you're a young entrepreneur listening today, you should always be saying, what do you think? Don't get all in a tizzy when somebody says, in my opinion. And if you're telling somebody something in your opinion, be open-minded enough to listen. But see, what I didn't know growing up when I was young, because I just didn't have the experience, was to, when I had my opinion, was to ask my dad, what do you think? I didn't want to know what he thought because I was afraid his opinion might be different than mine. But see, that's the second most powerful phrase, what do you think? Mark writes, in the greatest book, in the greatest business textbook ever written, one of the Proverbs says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. That's Proverbs eleven fourteen. See, the best counsel givers are the counsel seekers. The reason I get paid the kind of money that I do is because I have people that seek out wise counsel. And I, I don't want that to sound egotistical. What that means is they will listen. They don't take my advice all the time. But they know that I give them my advice from the heart. It doesn't matter if they're paying me or not. I have tens of thousands of consultants that never pay me a dime. We don't charge consultants for advice. And they call me on the phone. They send me emails. They ask me questions and they say, what do you think? And I share with them. I had a, I have a company called Zeke Rewards that has just got a bunch of red flags. I'm going to meet with some of their owners over the weekend. And when people say, Troy, what about Zeke? I hear lots of great things happening. I share with them, hey, there are some great things happening. These guys are busting their butt to do it right. I'm, I'm so proud of what they're trying to do. I think it's awesome. Here are the red flags that you need to be concerned about. Here's what you need to be watching. You need to understand this is a, a, a risky venture, so make sure you're going into it understanding that. And if you are, just keep cranking. Go for it. See, that's the key here. What do you think? The third one is, let me ask you a question. That's that. Listen, that right there is one of the most powerful things you can ever say. Mark writes this, the stupidity of people come from having to answer to everything, or, or comes from having an answer to everything. That's why sometimes people ask me things, and I say, I don't know, man. You need to send me a link. Let me review that company. I don't have a clue. Or I had a lady write on my blog the other day one word, and I wrote, you know what? I do pretty good with two words, but when you just make a one-word comment, I don't have a clue what you're saying. Can you elaborate a little bit? I'm not even going to try to respond to this. I, I don't know where you're coming from. She never came back, never answered. See, don't pretend you know everything. Ask questions constantly. The wisdom comes from having a question for everything, not having an answer from everything. One of the, the great award-winning Czechoslovakian authors, Milan Kundra, I think that's how you say the name, wrote this. It seems to me that all over the world, people nowadays prefer to judge rather than to understand, to answer rather than ask, so that the voice of the novel can hardly be heard over the noisy foolishness of human certainties. Now, I get this way with preachers, let me tell you. You know, being, being a follower of Jesus and a believer in, in what he teaches, I just love him to death. I, you know, you guys know my faith. But, man, it just burns my butt whenever I see preachers or, or spiritual know-it-alls 
coming up with some of this cockamamie crap instead of asking questions. And it's like, I look at that and I think, man, Jesus didn't have no big fancy degree. The only one I know that did was Paul. And, I mean, sometimes it showed, too. He was kind of egotistical to to a degree. See, don't pretend you know everything. Ask questions. Some people say knowledge has right answers, which is true, but wisdom has the right question. Whoa, that's pretty stout right there. That's one of those nuggets in a thimble. Knowledge has right answers. Wisdom has right questions. See, think about this. It's almost humanly impossible to disregard a good question. Let me ask you something. Another way might be to say, hey, how's that working for you when somebody says something and get get more info out of them. See, a good question also sharpens your employee's thinking, according to Mark. And the more I thought about that, I thought, man, he's got a great point there. See, when you ask questions, it digs deeper underneath that just flippant answer that sometimes comes out. Now, the fourth and most powerful phrase is, I don't know. When Billy Graham turned 70, a Newsweek interview had asked him why, given his mighty public influence, he had never run for public office. Reverend Graham told the reporter he just wasn't smart enough. Away from the headlines, a brilliant attorney acknowledged that he avoided a certain branch of law because he'd failed at it miserably. Unfortunately, these men are few exceptions. See, being a jack-of-all-trades only works if you're a rancher or a farmer. Let me say that again. Being a jack-of-all-trades only works if you're a rancher or a farmer. See, ranchers and farmers, they got to know a lot of stuff about a lot of things, but they don't have to be experts in any of it. We, on the other hand, don't work on ranches and farms. So we better focus in on what we're good at. Mark writes it this way. Great men and women, accomplished artists, gifted leaders, I observed who are confident about their strengths are equally comfortable admitting their weaknesses. I do that all the time. I learned a long time ago saying I just don't know is not a sign of weakness. It's another sign of confidence. And it's some of the most powerful words I've ever spoken because when I say I don't know, I always have somebody like a Tom Hop or a Richard Brooke or 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 a Tom Chenault that will come alongside of me and say, well, let me help you learn something new. One of my biggest regrets in life, and I believe it's every, well, it's every son's and every father's regret, is I wish many, many times I'd have used these four phrases with my dad growing up so that I could have gleaned more wisdom from a man that I respect beyond what most people would would feel is even reasonable. And now as a father, I know the frustrations that my pappy must have felt because so many times I wish my boys would come to me and ask for advice. I don't know how you, you ladies are, but I know from a man's perspective that's something that I've learned over the years. It's amazing what we learn as we grow older. i got to tell you know, I, I, my dad listens a lot, and Dad, I love you to death, and thank you for 
having the patience with me when you really didn't need to. Because I believe at the end of the day, folks, it's all about saying thank you and I love you. That's the key. Tomorrow's going to be awesome. We're starting a new part two, wisdom for your personal life. Now we're getting into the nitty-gritty, and you thought we already had. This is going to be great. The chapter tomorrow, God owns it all, a wise perspective on things. Live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here tomorrow morning on RealMentorsRadio.com.